and uh, coaching assignments. What does go on in a coaching staff? Like generally, every coach is is uh, uh, works on recruiting, right? But we have in my team, every team might work a little bit different. In my team, I have a women's recruiting coordinator and a men's recruiting coordinator. To me, for example, I don't want to recruit. Why? I, I recruit. I call the, the top kids and I talk with the parents and I'll, I'll recruit and I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do for the team. But honestly, I have a hard time telling a swimmer that I feel is a good kid that I don't have a spot for them in the team or that I don't have money. So I try to avoid all that. Make sense? So I only try to talk with the top kids. Albert Suvirats is the men's recruiting coordinator. So he has three other coaches that help him out with the men. And JC Dyer, another one of our coaches, uh, is the women's recruiting coordinator. And she has two of the other coaches that are helping them out. So between, between those, all, all of us, we have different, different um, uh, responsibilities. My main responsibility is to decide how much money each kid makes takes and and sign the papers so uh i'm not sure like like before we go into all this well no let's go into it what's an official visit versus unofficial visit you know the the the, the student athlete has five official official visits that they're paid by the school right so it doesn't matter where in the world are you I can pay for five, well, no, if I was a student athlete, five schools can pay for me, only one per university. So, so also for us, for the universities, you have to be very careful because it's a lot of money that you spend with recruiting. If you bring 15 or 20 swimmers to visit your school, you're talking about 20 or $30,000 that you're spending between plane tickets, hotels, transportation, food. So you have to be very careful. But the good thing for the student athlete is that they have a chance to come and visit. Okay? Uh, for, for most of the schools like us, we bring kids from all over the world. We bring kids from, from Asia, we bring kids from Europe, we bring kids from New Zealand, from Australia to visit. So it's just a matter of creating that relationship and the, the school needs the type of profile of the swimmer that you, you, know, that you have. Uh, the official visit, you get five. It's trip to campus paid by the university, transportation from your house to the campus, three meals per day, plus entertainment and, and lodging, and including tickets to football games, basketball games. Then normally all the recruiting trips are done when we have big football games and big basketball games because it's a big selling point. You know, for a kid to come into a football game with eighty thousand people in the stadium, all students. And, and fans, it's a huge thing. Unofficial visits, it's unlimited, but everything is paid by the family. The only thing that we can do, we can give them three complimentary tickets to a home sporting event. So doing, doing this official and unofficial visits, these are very important because besides thinking that you like the coach or that you have a good coach, you need to understand if you like the school, 
if that's a place that you can live for the next four or five years, if you like the team, if you like the dynamics of how things work. So it's very important for, uh, for the athletes. So I would recommend you that you, if you have kids that are thinking about coming to the United States to go to college, to sit down with them and try to understand when they can make official visits, if they get paid by the schools, and make sure that you organize a week. They even if they, if they lose training, normally when they come for official visits, we give them time to train. So many of them bring practices from their coaches and they can practice at least one, one practice a day. Yeah? So it's not a waste of time. Yeah? But make sure that you think about that, those things. Uh, also, another thing that you need to be on top of it, it's called the NCAA Eligibility Center. This is not the universities. This is a center that NCAA has. Every student athlete that starts the recruiting process has to start. Okay, you have to pay a fee, you go into this NCA center, and then they give you ID number, and then that's the place where you're gonna the you, the school of your swimmer is gonna send all the transcripts, is gonna send is gonna have to answer all these questions, the diploma when he graduates to certify that he's eligible to compete. Make sense? The student athlete is going to have to send all those papers to the university too. But the NCA eligibility center is going to keep the decision if that athlete has all the requirements academically and amateurism to be able to compete. Okay? The eligibility center uh, will list the tasks that they need to be clear. And it's, it's not very hard, but it's just a little work and work and work. When you're clear by the eligibility center, you become eligible to receive a scholarships. Make sense? Documentation for, for, for us, you know, for the universities, you know, uh, for the, from the student athletes is they need the transcripts and test scores, uh, the SAT, ACT. Should, the, those should be sent to the eligibility center, but they also should be sent to the university. Now, the SAT and ACT need to be sent directly to the NCA by the SAT or ACT center. Right? When the, the athlete registers for the SAT or ACT, they'll have a number for the NCA that they have to fill that number. And when they get the score, that score is sent automatically to the NCA. Transcripts can be sent before the start of the senior year, and that's important. So if you have an athlete that is a sophomore or junior, a junior that starts the process, tell him, tell him to start doing the eligibility center and send all the information. It's a very important thing. So the NCA starts processing all the paperwork. Right? And most important, the final transcript will be sent, will need to be sent, confirming graduation. Right? Besides the final, final transcript, they're going to need a, a copy of the original diploma that they're going to get. So, and that's very important that the student athlete, your swimmer, is working in, in conjunction with his school or her school to make sure that the advisors that they have in the high school are doing, sending all this information. When I was, when my daughter was at the American school, she got screwed because they didn't know how to do half of the things. And she got screwed too by the Canadian school. 
Right? So we had to spend a lot of time with the NCA clearinghouse to try to fix a couple of problems. So you need to be very careful with that. Uh, documentation for foreigners, you know, uh, in Singapore, since they speak English, I don't think they need to do the TOEFL. So it's the same thing. The transcripts, the test score, you know, if you come from a different country, like the, the official language is not English, then they're going to need the TOEFL or the IELTS, there is kind of a TOEFL. And the score of that depends on the on each school, right? Um, additional documentation might be required as international schools often need extra navigation as they don't always align with domestic academic time, timelines, right? So, and, and that happens a lot with people from uh, Brazil, they finish school in December, you know? And so people, uh, I, I believe in Singapore, when do you guys finish school? You guys finish school in, in December or, or in, 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 in April? We just finished, so Joe, um, the international schools now finished in the uh, end of June. Oh, okay, okay. So then you wouldn't have a problem. But, but you know, in some countries they finish in, in December. So, so you have to make sure that they, they get all the information possible. Right? Now, how do scholarships work? Now, what's important to know is this. You have the women's team have a maximum of 14 scholarships for every four years. That doesn't mean 14 scholarships every year. 14 scholarships for every four years. And the men's team have 9.9 .9 scholarships for every four years. Right? So there's a difference of 4.1 scholarships between men and women. Now, it's very difficult to manage a team with, I have 42 girls and I only have 14 scholarships for four years. Make sense? No. So you have kids in the team that have zero scholarship. You have kids in the team that have 1% scholarship, others 10%, others 30%, others maybe a full scholarship. Right? But between all of them, they can add up more than 14 scholarships or for the men 9.9. So here it says the scholarships can be broken up into equivalences and percentages. Yeah. Assuming you can do percentages, you know, or you can have, you know, guys, uh, people with 1% and people with 100%. Uh, the scholarship percentages are decided on by the coaches. So normally the head coach is the one that decides how much money each kid gets. Right? And it's kind of unfair because some years you have the slower swimmers getting more money than other years faster swimmers. But some years you don't have much money to give. So, so some kids have to come to school for almost free. You know, we have, a, we have a boy that was a medalist at Junior Walls that came here for a 3% of scholarship. Yeah. Academic scholarships are very specific to each school. Our school doesn't offer academic scholarships, so we are in a disadvantage. Other schools, just if you have a, a 1250 SAT and a 3.5 GPA, automatically you get certain academic scholarships. So, so that's very important for somebody who needs money uh, 
uh, the financial situation of their family. They need to make sure that they look into the academic money because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get a scholarship uh, to go to college. And not many people get scholarships to go to college. Uh, they get some percentages, some they don't get anything. In some universities, they help you get in. Like my daughter at Princeton, Princeton doesn't give any scholarships. Zero. They don't have any scholarships. So the only thing that they help with some athletes is maybe they allow they help them get in a little, you know, it's a little bit easier. So in a nutshell, that is the process of recruiting. Here I have a I'm gonna send you this this link. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this link on the on the chat. Uh, gosh. Let me let me stop this. Uh, I don't know. Hold on, guys. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Uh, I don't know the slideshow. Uh, uh, in this, uh, this link that I want to put in the chat here, it's, it's a very good resource that I don't think you guys have. Um, uh, and you should you should you should use that resource because it, it's really going to explain a lot of things. And I think what's important to understand is that it is very difficult to go. You need to do very good research to really go to a school that is going to provide a good swimming and academic experience to the kids. Me as a coach, I don't have to work all year round. The university doesn't pay me to coach after NC2A is over. Make sense? And a lot of university coaches, that's what they do. They work from September to February or March, and after that, they don't they don't coach anymore. That's why probably you had experience with some swimmers, they went to a cool a school, and then they come back for the summer and they're fat and out of shape. And it's because some coaches don't care. So it's important that you do research about what type of schools your kid is looking into if they really want to keep swimming at the high level. Okay. Also, scholarships, the better schools that you go, the less scholarship you're going to get. And you get that for sure. Because if, if, if I only have, let's say the men's side, I have 9.9 .9 scholarships, and I divide them by four years, what do I have? 2.4 scholarships per year. Right? If I have 2.4 scholarships per year and I need to bring five or six swimmers, how can I, I have to divide all that money? Make sense? So, so many times you have many kids that have no money. In, in, in some, some years, because it depends how the coaches do, when I came here, I have one class with four scholarships. One class with four scholarships. So sometimes I can only recruit with one, 1.5 scholarships and I have to bring five, six swimmers. And that happens very often with many teams. So do not get discouraged when a coach offers your athlete a percentage of a scholarship. 
because the reality is that there's not that much money. Like normally, not many kids get a full scholarship okay? uh, in, in good schools, in top schools. Um, and uh, also, it's important that when you talk with your athletes is that they, and the parents, they need to ask for percentage, not for money. You know, because if I say, Ivan, I want you to be at Virginia Tech and I'm going to offer you $15,000 for the next four years of a scholarship. You know, and let's say that the school costs $60,000. That's a 25%. But if I offer you $15,000 for four years, when the next year when the school costs $61,000, the $15,000 is less. Make sense? So you always want to ask for a percentage of a scholarship. And a percentage of the scholarship in that case would be a 25%. You know, you know, for me, I don't offer money. I offer percentages because every year is an increment for that. Make sense? So you need to make sure that you talk with your athletes. They try to educate them that way. They need to ask if they really need money from the second or the third time, their parents need to get involved and they need to politely ask the coach, hey, we need, we're going to need certain financial situation, certain financial help. We need to understand how much can you help my daughter or my son? Because if not, we don't want to waste your time because we're not going to be able to pay. Make sense? Because if you just talk with the coaches just to make them feel good and you just want to feel good and then two days before the signing period, they tell you $10,000, they better take it, then you have a problem. Huh? So you need to educate your parents and your kids pretty well. Um, also, if you can, don't think it's going to be a waste of time. If the kid really wants to come to America, help them get their official visits organized so they can spend five or six days coming to America to visit two or three schools, all pay for it with the plane ticket, the hotels and all that stuff. So they can really see if they really like that school and the coaches, huh? because that's a, that's a free opportunity for them. And I know many of you are gonna think, wow, you know, if I miss them for five or six days, they're gonna lose training. My advice to you, they're gonna come back better than you think because mentally they're going to be so excited. They're going to have a great experience and they can also practice. Every team is allowed to allow them to practice if they bring their own practice. Uh, so all those things are very important. I think it is a very appropriate time to go because nobody swings. <laughs> so, but right yeah. now, for example, yeah, we're not allowed until July 31st to have anybody. So right now, the, the problem that we're having is that we're giving our money away through a phone call or a Zoom talk without the kids learning or really understanding if they like the team. And that's a very hard thing because when they, you don't know where you're going and you have to be there and then you get there and you don't like it, it's a big problem. Also, you want to make sure that you get involved in the process somehow, not like to be but you want to know the coaches that they talk to, talk to them, try to create a relationship for two things. One, to help you sooner. That's important. And that's the, the number one thing. 
and the other one to help yourself. And, and don't think that in a bad way, but it's important when you create these relationships and in the next four, five, six years, you have four, five, six swimmers that go to some American universities and you get to know the coaches, you're opening doors for yourself too. Right? It's just like a, it's how you make who you know and where you are at a moment in time. Make sense? And, and it's important. You don't do that to jeopardize anybody, anybody's chance to go to a certain place, but you do that to help your swimmers, but at the same time, you're helping yourself. That's a very important thing. But, um, but I think it's a great experience. You know, I think if they have the opportunity, uh, and I know it's hard for coaches to try to develop kids and have to send them somewhere else. But coming to America, to be in the college system, uh, it's a, it's a very good opportunity. You know, so, what questions do you guys have about any any of the things that I said about the recruiting process? Yeah, so I have a question. Um, for example, if a child, um, like you say, sort of have missed that um, the the when the application or when recruitment starts that uh, that particular date for example in my case it's one of my summer obviously missed it by a year so is there still chances or uh to get to, of getting any scholarship or it's kind of you sort of missed your train basically no no i think uh, there's chances because some teams are trying to recruit certain people and they don't get them so they end up with money in their hands so the chances are there but they're a lot less. The problem mm. is that every team, like for me, for example, right now, I'm trying to get rid of, like, I, the last year I tried to get rid of my money for 2021, mm. you know? So right now, the kids that are going to become juniors, I'm trying to give the money away so I don't have to, you know, to worry anymore. Plus, every university is doing the same thing. So mm. the best swimmers are going to take the money. And then, you know, you, you want to be done with the recruiting. Make sense? So yeah. Also, some universities have people that transfer, people that leave. And if they have money, that money gets released. And then you can use that money with somebody else. Yeah. And and how about, um, you know, I helped one summer to get on Division Three last year, NY, NY, NYU. Uh, but it was through academic help, uh, aid. Uh, so in Division Three, I, what I know, there is no scholarship. Only you can get academic aid. Division Two, you can get scholarship. There is no scholarships at all. In Division Two, you can get some scholarships, some schools. But Division Two, Division Three are very good academic schools. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Division Two, ah, you know, you know, and Division Two has have a lot of older foreign athletes because the rules are are a little more lax, right? Mm -hmm. They're not that that hard. Division one, you have very high academics and and academic scholarships for some schools and real scholarships, too, athletic scholarships. Yeah. But the academic scholarships is every school is different. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Some schools have a lot of money, some schools don't have money. You know, so it all depends on uh, on the university. When like if I had academic money to give. When I recruit a kid, I will tell them, hey, what are your scores? 
1250 SATs, 3.6 GPA. Say, okay, great. You're going to qualify automatically for this amount of money. Make sense? Some other schools don't know it. They don't know automatically how much they qualify. They have to apply for it. And some other schools like mine, they don't give academic money to their freshman year. Their sophomore year, when they do well in school, if they in the engineering department or in the math department, those departments are giving money to them. Make sense? Yeah. But now, some academic money is counts against the NCA money. Mm. Right? So that's a tricky thing. Like for example, sometimes you have athletes. When I was at West Virginia, they got academic money because the school was very easy to get in. So they gave money to a lot of people uh, with high medium grades. But if, if you don't have certain grades that the NCA requires, you cannot take that money. Let's say, for example, I already gave my 9.9 scholarships and now I recruit you, Ivan, and you get a 50% scholarship, academic money. But doesn't meet the requirements of the NCA for academics, you cannot take that money. Make sense? Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah. So there's, there's, it's, it's, it's a little bit interesting. You know? Yeah. And also, just maybe not as, as uh, like all these rules uh, that you presented on in terms of how you approach swimmers, official talk, unofficial talk, how, how all that, um, um, what what's that word? How all that monitored by universities of NCA? Like it's it's bizarre. Like they're reading your phones, messages, the calls. Like how how all that going on in America? Like like it all depends on the schools. Like for example, Auburn will will read my messages because oh, they, oh yeah yeah they, you know I had a phone from the university, so they get they get everything. So every call that I make, every message I make, they read it. Um, I see it. So they, they follow to see I break the rules or not. Yeah, but how, how is this verbal? Like, for example, I met you in Budapest and you've been talking to a few kids, right? For example. Yeah, but uh, I was talking with kids. Yeah, how? I can talk with kids that they're, they were either juniors in high school or seniors in high school. I couldn't talk yeah. with sophomores. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I couldn't talk with Carmen and say, hey, Carmen, oh. what a great knee, blah, blah, blah. blah. I would like yeah. to, to think about Virginia Tech. I yeah. couldn't say that. No. Yeah, yeah. But but even if you could say, how how do you know people would, would, would check oh. on you? Well, normally what you do before the competition, you contact the coaches or you contact the athlete through Instagram or whatever. And say, hey, yeah. you know, I'm going to be in the competition. So uh, I'm going to talk with your coach to see if we can talk. And then whenever you finish with the races, uh, you know, I'll talk with your coach and maybe we can meet outside and we can talk. Exactly. No, but I, I get it. This is if it's official after the day, of, uh, the, after the recruitment date and all that, of course. But I'm just saying, if, for example, you approach Carmen before the, the date, um, the recruitment date, how who will check on you whether well, you had a chat or not? You know, in Budapest, there were like 20 other coaches from universities. Uh, Every coach is watching you. Some coaches will take pictures of you with who you talk and send it to the NCA. Mm, so it's, mm. a, it's a very bad. Yeah, it's no, it's it's horrible. It's, like, it is terrible. This happened to me. In the first time I went recruiting for Auburn, 
I, I go to this competition and I'm sitting in the bleachers by myself. And I know I have to sit by myself. I cannot be with the parents. I have to be, you know, and I'm sitting by myself. Out of the blue, some lady was sitting maybe three meters or four meters away from me. And that was okay. But she turns around and she starts talking to me and says, hey, you Sergio Lopez, blah, blah, blah. My son really likes you, blah, 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 blah. He's gonna be a junior and he's very interested in your school. And I said, look, I cannot talk with you, blah, blah, blah. It lasted 30 seconds. She sat, she stayed there. Somebody from another team contacted the ACC office and told them that I was illegally recruiting a kid that they were very interested. And they thought that the rule said, at that time, you couldn't speak with them until July 1st, and this was June Sunday. So my compliance called me in the office and said, hey, Sergio, why are you doing, doing this? It's like, I didn't do that. I was sitting over there, and this lady came up and introduced herself, but I told her that we couldn't talk. I, I don't even want that kid. It's not that good. Right. But I, got, I, I didn't get punished, but another time, my phone, Bad dial, you know, when sometimes it bad dials somebody. One of my ex students from Bowles and the university saw my, my phone records and told me that was an illegal call. So I was suspended 14 days without recruiting. What? Unbelievable. So, so you have to be very careful. You, you really have to be very careful. All right. So, Joe, yeah. um, can you explain? Um, like the recruiting of athletes to the university you know, the NCAAs, but um, athletes who have received prize money or sponsorship um, before they reach the university. Um, I know that there's complications around that if they were considered professional or whatever. Yeah, uh, there's different things. For example, if a swimmer goes to a competition and gets $500 of prize money, they can take it as long as they provide receipts for expenses that they've done to use that money for the swimming. Make sense? So you can prove you get a receipt from a swimsuit, the hotel room, whatever it is, and, and, and then you're fine. But if you go to competition and you get $500, to, to just show up, that's wrong. Then if they find out, you can get disqualified, you can get ineligible. If you get a money from the government, for example, that's a different story. If you get a scholarship from the government, that's, that's allowed because each government, the Olympic Committee might have different ways of allow, uh, giving money and that's fine. But if you get money from the club, for example, if the club is, giving you $2,000 a month, like the Hungarians or some athletes, some of them had, had big problems and they couldn't come to America because of that. Right? So, and the eligibility center has one, one side is academics and the other side is all these forms and questions they're gonna ask you about the money you've taken, the competitions you competed. So they check things to make sure that you never took money. Right? Now. There's always an explanation for everything. Uh, there's, there's a swimmer that you guys all know 
that before he went to America, it's not Joseph, but it's somebody else, did a commercial, got a lot of money. And when he got accepted into the university, the NCA found out about that. So he had to pay a lot. He had to give all the money back to the company. Uh, so um, he was allowed to swim. But if he didn't give the money back, he was not going to be allowed to swim. Make sense? So there's a thin line. To, you know. Awesome. Ah, yeah. Can you, will, will you able to share the presentation? So I don't have to. You know, yeah, yeah, I can. Can, yeah. yeah. That would be great. I'll send it email. I'll send yeah. it email. Just to get through again and kind of have a bit of a, you know, put everything together again. Okay. I'm, I'm very bad at listening sometimes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Ivan, I've got it. I'll send it to you. I'll screenshot it. Hold on, let me, I think I can put it on the chat. No? Yeah. Let me. And uh, this presentation can be shared with those who kind of could apply. Like, good. I mean, I don't want quite uh, like I, my team is small, and like I don't want to introduce this to everybody else, kind of because you know some kids kind of know way with Wall Street. So, yeah, you can share with individual people. Yeah, absolutely. I just I don't see I don't see point to to share with everyone. And... No, I think I think. Um... Yeah, I, I just put it on the chat. You have it on the chat. Huh? Yeah. Uh, you can download it from there. I, I just think, um, uh, no, I, I think the more that you have kids going to America, you might want to have a meeting with the parents, or maybe you want to have a meeting with the parents that interested with the kids going to America and, and explain to them the process, right? And explain to them that it's, it's not difficult to go to America, but it's difficult to get a scholarship. It's not what the people think. It's just like, oh, you know, if I'm good, I'm going to get a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, you know, for some people, 60000 a year, it's not a big money, you know? So they might just go for the opportunity. You never know. Well, you, know you know how much I pay for my two kids a year? I don't know. I don't want to... <laughs> okay, tell me. Yeah, well, I'm going to prepare myself. <laughs> I, I, for my daughter, my son, I pay seventy thousand dollars for a school. Oh. Yeah, and my son is a pretty good swimmer, and he, you know, one of three locals out of high school and, and breaststroke and two seventeen, two Olympic trial cards, and I think he was top sixty in the world, eighteen and under, and yeah. he got a one one percent scholarship. <laughs> and my daughter at Princeton, they don't give scholarships; they they help a little bit with financially. So I totally understand, you know? Uh, and how, how, how this transfer is happening? I saw a recent post uh, of one of the swimmer I coached actually a little bit in Qatar uh -huh. and she, she comes to you. And how does that happen? Why? So is it is it like so easy to, to switch one school to another? Because in terms of coaching, for example, if uh, like, like you say, you have to consider um, who you're going to be coached by and uh, what university you're going to go. Now, for example, you get accepted to such university and then that coach get, uh, get to go or get fired or whatever happens. And then you end up like this coach that you don't know and maybe it doesn't really work. 
and you want to switch. So how does that work if you hold scholarship, say in A university, you want to go to B university, can you, can you carry on your scholarship or you don't? You don't carry it. Like for example, uh, if now it's very easy for somebody to transfer. So the only thing you need to do is go to the compliance office and put your name in the transfer portal and then you can transfer. Um, the problem is that when you tell your coach that you want to be in the transfer portal, they say, okay, you can go in the transfer portal, but the scholarship is out. Yeah. Oh, I see. And then uh, the problem when you see a lot of transfer kits, not the one that you saw with us, uh, but a lot of the, the problem also that you need to understand, a lot of the universities only offer a one year scholarship. Right? When they offer you, and that's why they say, oh, don't worry, one or two years. Don't worry, we believe in you. And the third year and the fourth year, we're going to give you the same amount, same amount of money. But when you sign the scholarship that says, let's say 50,000, 50,000, zero and zero for the third and the fourth year, they're going to screw you because you already signed for zero and zero. Make yeah. sense? Yeah. So that's why you see a lot of people <clears throat> you promise all this, but then they get there, they don't swim as fast. That's it. Because if you give a scholarship for four years, okay, uh, I give a scholarship for four years. And that's a problem too, because you have a swimmer that comes out of high school, uh, one minute, 100 fly, long course, for example. And after one year, goes one or three, because this doesn't, doesn't train hard, doesn't care, but comes every day to practice, but doesn't give you trouble, but doesn't really care. You cannot take the scholarship away. The scholarship stays with that person because not because of performance, you can take the money away. Only if they break the law, if they do something bad, you know. What about, sorry, what about commitment? Like if uh, say commitment is fantastic, performance crap, like you just said, can you still pull, pull, pull away scholarship? Oh, that's going to happen a lot. When a kid commits and doesn't sign yet the national level of intent and you know because some kids are going to commit now kids that we spoke start speaking yesterday in the next month they're going to commit but they cannot sign the nli the national level of intent or the scholarship until november of the following year not this november but the following year no so, sorry sergio but like when a really child on scholarship like you say with one minute arrived okay like keeps coming and uh, the result is getting worse or doesn't can't get improved, etc. So you can't take scholarship away. But what if, for example, child comes in with one minute uh, in, in, for example, your commitment to your training, to your program isn't isn't great. And due to that result is is basically getting worse. Can you take scholarship away? No. I think Ivan's asking about attendance. If they don't, uh, attendance. But attendance. If their attendance drops. No, no, because what happens is this: the, the swimmer can go to the administration and say, uh, "Look, I was missing practice because the school is so hard that I was trying to get good grades. Uh, the coach is not very nice to me, so I was very depressed." They can come up with any one of those ideas. That nowadays, they're they're helping them with so many of those things. They can. You cannot do much. Mm. Yes. Well, I am. 
it works it works for me that's good <laughs> we also offer a scholarship and you know I, I had to use this kind of approaches to uh to, to kind of i had a few kids who had uh, struggled with attendance and you know and you know uh, because of academics in the heart and you know so i could basically say i'm sorry you can't hold scholarship anymore you can stay you can stay on the team but i can't hold scholarship like with that with me i cannot even tell them that i can i can if i said i get in trouble that's mm. so it's complicated yeah, yeah. But it's important that you educate the parents and the kids and then that you create a relationship with the coaches too right and you talk with the coaches it has to be the kids decision but because yeah. it's very easy for us coaches to lie to the kids because we want a good sooner make sense yeah yeah and i'm not saying that in a, that all the coaches are going to lie but our job is to get the best sooner possible for the least amount of money. Mm. It's not that much money. That's like a business. You know, you try to build something and you need to use <laughs> the, best, the smartest way to have the best swimmers. Yeah. So that's a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. Hey, yeah. Coach, uh, Coach would um, you explain um, the difference between a scholarship athlete or someone that you've recruited? Um, and the walk-on to the team? Well, uh, the, the difference, once they come in, there's not really a difference. Uh, they get the same treatment. They get the doctors, the psychologists, the food, the traveling, the equipment, they get everything. The, the, difference, the only difference is that they have to pay for their school. Uh, a walk-on has no money whatsoever, zero. A walk-on, the following year, can get some money. Because you have you have some kids that they they become so good that instead of recruiting somebody else, you give them money so they don't leave you. Make sense? But a walk-on is you get treated at least from me, my experience, we treat them the same way. It's just it's a kid that wants to be part of the team, you know, paying for their school, and we treat them the same way. We get them to you know all the best competitions, everything. Look, how, how does that conversation work? Let's say with the coach uh, Albert Subirats, um, uh, the walk-ons are they people who have who are already at the university, and then they arrive at practice and they say, "Hey, coach, can I join the team?" No. Or, no. No. Well, how does that people? Walk-ons. We give them walk-on spots because I'm limited with the number with the men. I'm limited with the number of students that I can have. So, for example, next year I bring five swimmers. So three are walk-ons that we've recruited, but they're walk-ons because we can give them money, and two are scholarship swimmers. Make sense? So I don't let anybody walk on. Like I could have every once in a while somebody that is in the university that was a swimmer we didn't know and comes in one day and says, Hey, I wanna I wanna swim with the team, and you give them a tryout. That, that doesn't really happen. Make sense. Mm. Uh, right now, I have a list of nine swimmers, men swimmers, male swimmers, for 2021, waiting for me to give them a spot as a walk. All right. So, so from what you from what you say, you still have to apply for this kind of because, like, uh, my question would be this now: If, for example, male swimmer swims, say, you know, nothing impressive, like 54 long course, 100 freestyle. 
is that Suma would be ever considered for Bokon uh, spot or like for example uh, a 5400 freestyler for me I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it mm -hmm. right because I have a, a one of four brushstroker locos that yeah. I don't I, I, right now is waiting for a walk on spot mm -hmm. or like a 205 200 backstroke locos or 204 is waiting for a walk on spot so because I'm limited with the number of swimmers that I have yeah. For me, for example, if I have a swim, if I have a spot that is open, and I have a swimmer from a coach that I know, and the swimmer is a slower than others, but it's a good kid and this and that. Well, I brought some swimmers with me because of that. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm going to bring somebody, I'd rather bring somebody of who I know. Make sense? So yeah. In that sense, I can bring a 5400 freestyler before a 104 breaststroke. Yeah. Because that's my choice. Make sense? Yeah. But but in the men's team, you're so limited with the number mm -hmm. because of the Title Nine. The Title mm -hmm. Nine is the federal law that you have to have equality with the women and the men. So when you have 85 scholarships for the men in football, you cannot have as many swimmers women swimmers and men swimmers because you have to have the same equal number of oh, right. so it's a very complicated thing like my first job when i got the job at virginia tech after i was hired they told me says sergio you need to kick four four men of the of your team i said why because the title nine office says that you have too many men and you need to kick four so i had to kick four kids of the team one of them was from Finland. He was short course meters, double low hundred breast. Another one was a distance swimmer. He was fifteen twenty five in short course meters. Of the team. Yeah. So, so it's 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 a tough one. So it, and right now I have some pretty good swimmers that they're waiting for me to give them a spot for twenty twenty one, on the men's side to be walkers. And if somebody wants to be a walk-on, they need to start the process early, trying to connect with the coaches and make sure that the coaches understand why and this and that. And many coaches are gonna say no from the beginning and some coaches are gonna say, okay, Ivan, just wait, keep me informed of your development. You know, Some coaches are gonna ask for videos of the races so you can watch, you know? Like one of the swimmers that I have, He's a freshman this year and he did very well. Like he did the equivalent to 156 short course meters, 200 backstroke this year. And he, he, he dropped a lot. He's like almost two meters tall. And I wasn't going to recruit him. He's very slow. But he sent me a video and I, by chance, I, I clicked the video. And when I saw him get in the water and move, I called him and say, if you want to come, I have no money, but you have a spot in the team. And he took it. You know? So so that happens. That happens a lot. But you have to create that relationship with the teams. The women's yeah. side, the women's side, you can have as many kids as you want, probably. You know, you're only limited with what you want to do with the team and the budget that you have, and not because of the numbers of people that you can carry. Mm. Interesting.
So, Jerry, it does really depend on the school too, though, and whether they've got football and what division they are, correct? I mean, I'm just going to say to Ivan that I've had kids that I've been like, I think it's like you're leaving, you run really late, but I have to have said I've been really impressed with like parents and schools that have kind of pulled together for kids that have come in, even kind of in that grade 11, that haven't done anything before and got reasonable level scholarships or places that they wanted to be. And I have to say that primarily academics has been really important as well to kind of be looking at what the kids are trying to achieve. Um, but Sergio, I 100% understand what you're saying about getting that early start, but I am going to say, Levan, don't give up hope. I have to say that the kids that really wanted it, the parents were prepared to work for it and the school put in for it, it's kind of eventually got there. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but also one of the things that you need to understand is the level of swimming that you want or you don't want, you know, and, and that's one thing that's very difficult because, like, for example, um, there's many coaches. I have many swimmers from Spain, for example, and Spanish coaches are very upset with the, with the, coach, the swimmers living because they live at a very high level, but the only thing that the kids are looking is for a scholarship. So there's 200 universities almost in Division One, and 170 of them don't have very good programs, but they have they have the money. So you come from a country and you you a little bit decent, they're gonna offer you academic money and this and that, but a lot of them lose their swimming. Yeah, academics is very important, but you've invested a lot of money too. Like my daughter is swimming at Princeton, and she she wants to swim at a good level, and the coach is a high level coach. You know what I mean? So you can have both for the years that you the the you know that you're swimming. But you have to be careful what you're doing. And a lot of the American people are paying for the school. <laughs> a lot. Like just think if I have seventy two no next year I have seventy four swimmers in my team between men and women. And I have twenty three scholarships. How many people are paying for their school? Um, well, I, I also, I'm also hearing that people, oh, I've got a Scott scholarship, I got scholarship, but they never say how much. I'll tell yeah. you what. Like, they, you know, I, I've been hearing here in Singapore, oh, she was already offered, oh, she was already offered scholarship, but they never say how much. That's the problem. Like, they, they might, like Sergio said, they might got 1% for school meal, you know, discount $1 every day. But, you know, they never, when they say, when they say, uh, oh, she was accepted, oh, she was accepted, oh, she already gave verbal commitment, and I look at the results, she's uh, slower than my, oh, he's slower than my swimmers. And I was like thinking, what sort of scholarship are they getting? So, you also, that's, need, you also need to look at the school, the athletic level of that school. And that's, a, you know, that's a very important thing to look at. And, and I understand academics are very important, absolutely. You know, if you want to go to the United States to study in a Division three school for high level of academics and, 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 and you know, go, you know. But if you're looking to have some high performance level swimming, you have to be very careful and you have to know that you might have to pay some money. <laughs> and that's a given. It's true. You know. mm. Uh, Sergio, in terms of the, the campus, like on-campus visits, uh, do we directly contact the universities that they're going to visit or is that how it normally works? Like for the kids, you know how you, you mentioned that each university has, um, like they, they can pay for people to visit, uh, potential swimmers to, to visit? Uh -huh. is, is, that, 
is, does that communication happen between the like privately between the universities and the, the students the students normally yes okay. normally in america happens okay. with the foreign swimmers you get connected with the coaches in america you connect with the coaches to at the meets etc on the phone but you organize the trips with the kids and the parents so for example if you were american and say petra you can come september 15th september 21st or september 30th and then these are the days that we have for recurring visits official visits so then you go to your coach and say hey, coach i have these three visits which one is better for me to go make sense and then your coach says oh, go in this date because you don't have a competition or this or that and, and then we organize everything make sense uh, got it yeah and then, and then well, coaches, send us the practice even though the kid cannot practice with us but send up the practice so to make sure that when they can go to the pool to practice we give them the practice hey you need to do this and some other coaches give them the practice to the kids when they come in we take them to the pool they practice because even when they're practicing we're not allowed to be in the pool right oh. because no they don't want us to evaluate the swimmers so we have to take them to the pool they can practice for two hours or play sharks and meadows because you don't know what they do and then uh, we pick them up after practice and we take them to whatever it is. During the recruiting visit, it's a very good visit because the first day you do everything with academics. You, you take them to whatever major they want to study. They meet the dean of the university. They go to a class. They, they meet with an advisor, sometimes with more than one. They go and visit all the school, the cafeterias, the dorms, uh, the academic services, all the facilities, all that stuff. So it's a very long day of visits and this and that. And then on the second day, they can watch our practice and they can do all these. Sometimes in the morning, they have meetings with the coaches or they have a couple other meetings. But after noon, after noon or one o'clock, they start going to football games, they have activities with the team. And, you know, the first night they spend the night at the dorms, so they see how the dorms are. The second night they spend the night at one of the swimmers' houses outside of campus. So they, you know, so it's a very, it's a very good situation for them to understand the college life. All right. And uh, in terms of the scholarships, right, let's, let's say a swimmer receives a scholarship for like the first two years. And uh, uh, and probably the last two years they, they don't have anything. So how how do kid, how do swimmers normally go about you know surviving at doing those situations? Either their parents pay or they have to get loans. In America, a lot of the kids have loans, and you know I pay for my kids. I told my kids that I would pay for them for four years of school. If they want to get a master's and all this, I will be able to pay. And I will do everything possible. Some parents do that. And some parents help their kids to get loans. Uh, some kids in the summer, they take jobs. So, you know, they work, they cannot train at 100%, but they have to take jobs to make $3,000, $5,000 to pay for their housing, for whatever it is, you know. So some, some kids also, they get jobs inside the university where... They can, they can be working at the library or they can be doing some advising or some tutoring. You know. So 
they don't make a lot of money, but they can they can do certain things. Right. Any any other questions about any of this? No. Well, I think hey, uh, Sergio, one, one last thing. How about how about in terms of you know applying to to coach over there? I mean, like besides the NCAA uh, as a coach. Well, there's, there's, for you, for somebody young, the best way would be to apply to come as, to try to get a master's degree, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you come as a graduate student, you get a master's degree. Uh, the universities pay for that, right? So you have two years to work with the university as a coach, to get your master's degree in exercise science or whatever you want to do. That gets paid for, and they give you a stipend for housing and for all that. And then, normally, after two years, you have, after two years of this, the masters, you have one year to do practical training. Right? And after that, you might be able to get a job with the university. Right now, for foreigners, it's so difficult to get a job. Right? Uh, one of my swimmers that was training with me for the Olympics this year, uh, now I thought that he was going to train with me for next year. He graduated this year and uh, he was going to, he wanted to stay here and do his practical training here with the hotel because he's been doing some management stuff. But yeah. with all this coronavirus, the hotel here is still closed. So he got a job in Tallahassee in Florida with another hotel. So he left because he's from Hungary. And if he goes back to Hungary, he's not coming back. They're, they're not going to give him a visa and he's finished. You know what I mean? So it's very difficult now for foreigners to get a coaching. So the best way is to try to get a master's degree and to get that route. All right. uh, once things get easier, you know, uh, you can also come to do some voluntary coaching with one of the top teams and get to know one of the top coaches and then create a relationship with that. You know? And then when you have a relationship with one of these coaches, that person might be able to help you come in. Make sense? Yeah. Uh, coach, can I just jump in? Um, I see like with reference to Ivan's question about the 54 swimmer and Helen spoke a little bit about it in the chat. Um, this is from my experience. Um, obviously, I worked at a university, um, a Division One university, but um, in, a, in a much different level. And uh, when when we were looking at uh, recruits um, on like college swimming, um, when we looked at the rankings, we we never started at looking at number one because we honestly realized that uh, it was a girls-only team. We realized Katie Ledecky, Mercy Franklin. Uh, whatever, Michael Lawrence, they, they're not coming to us. We don't have the money and we don't have the, the, the strength in the team. So we started really looking at about 70% down the list. Um, and, and that's where we were looking to um, absorb uh, or, or pinpoint some of the recruits that would be more suited to the program that uh, we could offer at that time. Uh, because there was no ways that we would be able to compete like i say for any big names um and 
also not able to compete for any uh, against any of the big universities like say Texas or or Michigan or whatever. Um, so the 54 swimmer, for example, uh, were, from my experience, there may well be a place for that swimmer with some kind of a scholarship, but it's not going to be at a university like like Virginia Tech or Texas or Michigan or um, so on. But there may well be a, a smaller program still in Division One um, that a 54 swimmer could actually be like their their uh, uh, record holder or you know um, one of one of the MVPs at at their conference. Uh, that that's just from the experience that I had um, uh, w w when I was involved in that whole process. Well, I think I think that's a smart to do because, like for example, for me at Virginia Tech, right now last year, the top kids in the country didn't want to talk to me. It didn't matter that I coach great athletes, but they don't see the university at the level that other universities. So, as a coach, you have to start focusing on. On the lower, on the next tier of kids, because if not, you're wasting your time. Slowly, you need to try to climb up and try to keep getting better people. But but you need to understand where you are and just recruit the best and develop the best. You know, for me, I have a guy that right now is a 142, 200 backstroke that nobody really recruited, and he almost made NC two A's. And he's a walk-on. He's a kid. Or I have a guy that's almost two meters tall that I just saw a video of him and I recruit him. And now I'm going to have a guy in the next two years, maybe go under 140 in the 200 back. You know, that's what we got to do. And then once you set yourself at a higher level, then all these top people want to come to you. Make sense? Like this year for us, because we had a top 13 class, recruiting class, uh, the girls, recruiting the girls is a lot easier because now they want to come with you, you know, because you have all these girls and you have all these results. So it's just time. But it's a smart what you guys did because you don't want to be wasting your time to recruit kids just to be on the phone. Many times the kids don't know how to say no. And they tell you no at the last moment and you've been calling and calling and calling and calling, talking with somebody for nothing. Uh, so, question: a Recruitment, a recruitment um, list. Well, sorry, not recruitment. The, the the ranking list. You look at what website? College College dot com or what? Which yeah, one? You com has a ranking, but the foreigners, if they don't fill up their forms and they don't swim in yards, they don't get ranked very high because mm. uh, it's very misleading. They don't and swim swim. For example, they also don't count the foreigners mm. at a very high level because they don't know how they're going to swim in yards. Like next year, I bring two foreigners. One of them is in yards, 198, 439, 135, 200 freestyle, 155, 200 breaststroke, uh, 5300 breaststroke, and 144, 200 IM. And he should be one of the top five in the country, but he's not even ranked. Because all his times are long course or short course meters, they don't know about this kid. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So the foreigners, many times, unless they swim in America or this, they're not ranked very high. Uh, so, so, what do you do with this then? Like, you yeah. just go to the world juniors and whatever worlds and you're looking for swimmers. 
like I think, I think, for example, for your kids, it would be good to start creating profiles on scholarswimming.com. They're free. Create yeah. the profiles out of your times with the competitions that they, they've done. Short course meters, long course meters, the more competitions that they put, the, the better score they're going to get. You know? yeah. and, and that's important because that's a free tool and it's, 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 a, selling, it's a selling point for universities. The more, yeah. have, the more events that they have, they can put videos over there too. And for me, for example, when I look at collegeswomen.com and I see a video, I click, and if I like, cool. what, if I like the way that person moves, you try to call them. Fast. How fast they are. So you have to, you have to, you have to help them in that way. Yeah. Um, look at that. Good luck. New toy. Uh -huh. Another broken. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, recruiting is is interesting. But but I think it's it, it, it's a good thing for your kids to to look forward. You know, there's so many, like Helen said, there's so many universities that it's and it's important. That, you know, once they start knowing and they realize maybe I don't want to go to the Olympics, but I just want to get a good education and I get a chance to swim. And you know, so it's it's the, the United States is it's a good thing. But uh, any other questions, guys, about any of these things? I just, um, it's a little bit outside of this, but, you know, I, this just came out now. You know, I think I, from what I heard uh, from the guy who used to swim with me and he was in Division One and in the program, which is just works for that period until March or he was a finalist of Russian finals and all that. Um, so he said that in the team he was, and I'm not sure how it is in yours, like the um, more encouraging, like they, they really make kids to be independent and really take um, ownership of the improvement of the body of the, you know, sleep and all that kind of stuff. They educating them, teaching them. Because what happens in my team, like, I really doing, I feel like I'm doing so much. Like sometimes it's almost, I almost feel more responsible for the results than they do. So how does it work? How does it work in your team and how it might work in other teams? Like, oh, it depends on team you get. Like, you know, I just want to make sure I'm preparing my swimmers for some new challenging challenges. Well, I think, I think you have a lot of freedom. Uh, and you yeah. have to take ownership. You know, coaches want you to take ownership because in four years you're going to be on in the streets trying to get a job. You know, and working for a company. So you need to understand who you are, how you do things, why you do things. You know, uh, so so I think in that sense, probably most teams are like that. Some teams are harder than others because some teams, you know, that you have some pretty good teams that either you do what the coach says. But also, for, for example, for me, I work with, the, with my athletes also individually in that sense. You have some very good swimmers. They are trying to get a master's degree in engineering and they have to miss practice. And you're okay, you miss practice. We'll, we'll practice another time. 
you tell me when you can do this, and they're very good at telling you, okay, Sergio, I can go at this time, and then you go at that time with him. Make sense or okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of I think in America we create a lot of that. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that you need to you guys need to teach your athletes is about asking for help. Make sense? Mm-hmm. It's a very important thing. We have so many resources, so many resources, like psychologists. Uh, biomechanics, no, bio, uh, psych, uh, psychologists, nutritionists, uh, tutors, but many kids are not used to asking for help. When, once they leave home, they're afraid to, their mom doesn't do this, doesn't do that, and, and they're afraid to ask. So teach your kids to be proactive, to be a little bit independent, but also create a good relationship with the coaches and, and, and ask for help when they need it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just noticed in my team. I guess I, I maybe just how I do, or, you know, like any like they they um they are re- really much relying on me, like on my decision, on my. I I just recently start like saying, okay, you do your warm up, you have to create your own warm up routine, blah blah blah. So to kind of and uh, start teaching them to give me feedback. I have a weeks where they have to um, kind of find a minute or so to set up meeting with me to talk to me about what they feel, how they feel about things. And because I think it's important, like in this environment, when you come to America, you get so excited and you get so much freedom, you might just gonna lose your mind and lose uh, everything what you have gained, you know? Well, but I also think uh, your friend, maybe your swimmer was coming from a different country has a different thought process too. I think mm. a lot of the coaches, you're going to have freedom, but you're also going to have certain boundaries that you have to follow, you know? Mm. Uh, like for me, for example, I trust you until I realize that you're lying to me, you know? Mm. So uh, if you start coming to practice late because you tell me that you're studying, but then I know that the night before you were at a concert or somewhere else, uh, we have problems. Make sense? So, yeah. the, the, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to give ownership of their life to the swimmers until I realize that they don't understand that with freedom comes responsibility. Mm. You know? The moment that you choose to be part of a team, you have to follow the rules of the team. Mm. It's a very simple thing. Like to me, you come in late today, I'm okay. Say, hey, Ivan, what happened? Oh, Sergio, my teacher was had so many people I needed to ask something. I said, don't worry, come on. Like you wake up late and you text me and say, say Sergio, uh, I just woke up. I don't know what happened. And I will tell you, my, my instinct will be, be careful, don't drive fast because there's police out there. To, maybe it's a snowing or not snowing. Just be careful. Whenever you get here, you get in the water and you swim. Now, if you do that 10 times in a row, I'm going to tell you to go and fuck yourself. <laughs> just... As simple as that. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and the understanding that we are human, and that you you can choose how to do your life. But at one point, yeah, yeah got it. Uh, <laughs> okay. And if I have to grab you by the ear sometimes and say, you know, like some of the swimmers when they tell me they're sick, oh, I have, a, I feel sick. Don't worry. Bring your books to the pool. We have a classroom with a wind with a big glass window that I can see you. You're gonna be working for two hours on your homework. Yep. 
And if I don't see you work, you're going to be in trouble. And yeah. out of the blue, their headache is, is gone. Oh, no, no, I feel better. Coach, I'll come to practice. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, listen, about another one. Um, sorry. Uh, you have uh, an American children. You have uh, international children. So Americans, I guess, they're in a, in, from a different world sort of, sort of thing. Uh, but you get kids internationally, and some are graduated from uh, public schools, like in Spain and you know back home, basically from Russian school, and, and some kids graduated from international school. Is there any significant difference you see in their mindsets and in, in the way they approach things in your in, in your in your from your experience? I see normally the international kids better prepare academically than many of the American kids. Uh -huh. But also depends where the American kids are coming from. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when I was at Bowles, I didn't realize how good the school was academically until my kids went to the American school or the Canadian school. There was a fucking joke. You know, they lost two years of their life. You know, I don't care what people say. I was like, <sighs> you know, but there's not many, there's many great American schools, but a lot of the public schools in America and a lot of the places, a lot of the kids get good grades, but they're not very well prepared. Make sense? Because the neighborhoods or the city or many, some of the places, the education is not that good. I, I have a better percentage of higher level of preparation with foreign kids than with American kids. The hard yeah. part for the foreign kids is that the language barrier, you know, uh, trying to understand how the teachers teach. In some of the countries, they have to do so much work, 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 work. Here, they have a lot of freedom to choose when they do the work or not. So there's a lot of things that they need to learn how to understand the system. Make sense? Uh, once they learn the system, it's they, they get very good grades. Yeah, but that's in terms of grades, in terms of just the relationship with other uh, team, um, swimmers or, or students or with you in terms of I think, how do you just don't, don't worry about academics, just uh, no, I think, I think in, in terms of um, in terms of relationship in hmm. a team like mine, for example, I'm foreigner, Oliver is foreigner, we're the United Nations, we hold our hands together and we sing, We are the world. We are the children. We we like we have so many people from so many countries. You know, we have kids from Sweden. We have kids from Spain. We have kids from Bulgaria. Now, for example, we have a kid from Bulgaria. The way he talks, and the way he he speaks is so harsh. It's like the Russian. So sometimes they have a hard time the first year with the swimmers because the American kids don't understand. How come this guy is saying these things? <laughs> and this guy is saying these things in a nice way, but it's the way he talks. You know, it's, it's like sometimes when I try to talk with the team and I'm like, great job, da, 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 da. they think I'm upset with them. And I'm so happy and I'm just like, ah, da, da, da. and they're like, you know. So those problems are kind of problems with everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the team, like for example, most of the teams that I've been, and it starts with the leadership, with the coaches, we have, you create that good relationship that you try to understand everybody. 
and give the benefit of the doubt to people. Before the Bulgarian came to us, I told the coaches, I said, guys, we need to be very careful because the way he talks, he's going to piss everybody off. <laughs> and sure enough, after three weeks, everybody thought that this guy was an ass. But now everybody loves him. You know? Because it's the way oh, 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 oh. it's like, you know. So so you have to be, yeah. Those are not problems, but those are barriers that and teams mm-hmm. like us, for example, we're used to. You know? If a if a if a team that never has foreigners gets a foreigner from certain countries, they might have some problems with him of adaptation. You know what I mean? Ivan. Do you think you never had problems because the way you talk with the people? No, I, I did, I did. That's why I'm asking how how is in America because if I will ever will, will want to work in America, whether will be accepted by society? Nah, you will, <laughs> you would. You know, can you imagine me and you on poolside? Like I oh, like I don't know, uh, maybe me and Gil on the same side. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I think we're going to be in jail like in, in like 24 hours. Well, now they, now you wouldn't because now they express, you know how I am. I just like sometimes getting overexcited or over, over angry. And in America, we're going to start accepting everybody soon. We're going to be so such a happy world. They're going to fix all the problems with racism and discrimination. And we're going to yeah. be so happy. So don't worry. <laughs> well, well, I actually do worry about America because they, as as much they're gonna accept everything, the more law they're gonna, uh, you know, the law gonna be all of, all around, you know. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, yeah, I, they wouldn't have a problem. Uh, most of the teams they have a lot of foreigners. Division two programs have so many foreigners that when kids come in, they feel a home. Not at home, but it's hard for anybody coming in from uh, because you have a kid from California coming to Virginia. It's a big change. It's a really big change because people think totally different. And the same thing might happen in Russia. You have somebody from Siberia and somebody from the other side closer to to Europe, and probably they think totally different. Yeah, we don't like them. So we call them Moscali. <laughs> and they also they, they speak they speak a little bit in funny we Siberians speak very fast because it's very cold so you can't really mess around <laughs> very fast and those are singing they all like ah ah oh ah you know like you just you just go on a Russian top uh, for the music and you go any like uh, any singer like Klava uh, Koka for example and exactly how they speak, oh, ah, uh, oh, ah, uh, you know, like this, all the singing. So we, you know, different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. all right, guys. You have, you guys have any other questions about this recruiting? No. no. Okay. No. How about next Wednesday? We talk about um, how we're gonna. What's your plans on the resuming program? So if you if you have already resumed how it looks like over uh, one or two weeks or three weeks, what, what swimmers, what sort of feedback you're getting from your swimmers and what is your uh, approach? Uh, because I hear some people go full force from week one and already on week three competing. 
between themselves <laughs> Olympic program and yeah. some people it's super easy. Yeah, we can go. Like I know, for example, with Joseph back now in Singapore, uh, they want him to do doubles and I told them not to do doubles yet. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we have that next time? I know everyone needs to go now, I think. But no, 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 no. Well, I have to go because I have to get up early to go to practice. Yeah. You know, uh, but um, but yeah, we can talk about that. And yeah, I... one of one of my Spanish friends that was here working with us for three months, he's gonna speak tomorrow about race training. You sent an email, right? And uh, yes, mentioned that it's the seventeenth of June. Is it right? Well, I sent an email. To copy you with the links of, of the American talks and the Spanish talks. Uh, it was oh, okay. If you guys want to be in that talk, you're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I'm going to listen. He was working with us, and the uh, presentation is very interesting. It's about velocity based training. And uh, I, can, I can have him talk uh, with you guys about it. You know? Uh, but but you know we can talk first about what you what you said Ivan and then maybe we can talk about that. I'll okay. let you know how good of a presentation it is. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye guys. Thank you. Thank you. you take it easy. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks for coming.